friends with the founder of the Lubbock County Militia, you get your own radio show. It's the other side of Texas with Jay Lisa. Well, hey there, howdy. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks for telling a friend that you hang out on the other side of Texas. We would not be here without you. Thank you so much that you do what you do. And uh, thank you for telling your friend. Hey, uh, we're broadcasting from the studios where Buddy Holly became famous. If that's not cool enough, and that you're along on the ride with us. If you have thoughts as we go along, 806-745-5800 is where you can text into. That's 806-745-5800 if you would like to uh, text your thoughts into the program here. I want to start off today with the breaking news of the hour, and that is the Farm Bill. The Farm Bill has just passed the House, 213 to 211, lots to it, and so, and look, this is what I love about Farm Bill policy, is that we have the opportunity, whenever we talk about Farm Bill, it's not the pretentious hardline issue on left or right, it's time to talk pragmatic politics, it's Everybody says, run it like you run your house. Well, guess what? In my house, my way doesn't go. And Mrs. Leeson's way doesn't go. And there is compromise, and there's talk, and there's discussion. And that's what I appreciate about a farm bill, because a farm bill is all-encompassing. I mean, it goes uh, well beyond what's out in the fields to what we're doing with uh, foreign relief, for instance. And then you've got the military involved and you've got the you've got all sorts of brass involved on that front and and then you get into a bunch of rural assistant programs so it's not necessarily food as much as it is farm and everywhere that the farm goes and so it presents a a, a situation that's not sexy politically because you have to be you have to go in with your pencil sharp and it's not just some oh we're gonna we're gonna pull the wool over their eyes here um it, it's a situation where we have to be pragmatic and i wanted to almost get into a quip about the cost of wool and and how that presents different struggles and adversities at different markets but i'll i'll just leave i'll leave that idiom there uh let's get in with politico our Politico folks do a good job on this. I want to start with their coverage. Uh, Catherine Boudreaux, who's been on this program, has this synopsis, and this was um, within the last two hours. The House passed its farm bill Thursday by a vote of 213 to 211. An important distinction there. In that 213, not one Democrat. No, not one. And I'll tell you why that's important here in just a moment. After weeks of uncertainty over whether leadership would be able to secure enough support within the fractious GOP conference to pass a measure that is critical to farm country, 
Republican leadership in rebounding from last month's stunning, and we wrote about this on Other Side of Texas. You can go check it out. Last month's stunning um, defeat of the massive $186 billion legislation by meeting needs of the House Freedom Caucus, which helped tank the first vote by withholding its support as leverage to force a roll call on immigration on the immigration measure the that immigration measure written by house judiciary chairman bob goldlatt was voted down earlier thursday but clearing that hurdle led to the influential conservative bloc to deliver just enough support to pass the farm bill so they had their moment in glory and failed and so let's get back to real policy the freedom caucus support was essential because democrats were unanimous in their opposition to the bill over new work requirements for food stamp recipients 20 republicans joined with democrats in opposing the bill passage of the farm bill the house farm bill would reauthorize programs ranging from the nutrition assistance and crop subsidies to rural development and agricultural research moves Congress closer to sending a bill to President Trump before the current legislation expires at the end of September. The Senate is planning to take up its version, which has bipartisan support, as soon as next week, and the passage is widely expected. But, uh uh-oh, trouble could be in store when both bills get to conference. House GOP leadership had to rely solely on Republican lawmakers, and I'll have to get Charlie Stenholm on to talk about what that means, that it was only passed by Republicans. I've heard Charlie Stenholm before criticize the Affordable Care Act by saying there's never been a measure passed in this country that only had one party support that wound up to be good legislation. So no Democrats involved, and then it goes to uh, committee. And passage of the farm bill was a victory for Paul Ryan, the House Speaker, and other Republicans who are eager, eager, excuse me, to advance welfare reform. The Senate bill, however, would not make major changes to SNAP. At the right flank of the GOP House which tends to support steep cuts in SNAP and farm subsidies, had been holding its position on Farm Bill close to the vest. In the days leading to Thursday's vote, Freedom Caucus Chairman Mark Meadows of North Carolina told reporters he thought he could deliver enough votes to advance a Farm Bill, but a number of the group's members had said in recent days that they were undecided. So to set the stage here, not one Democrat, And then you've got to go to the Senate, where uh, in the House went even further on some things. Uh, Applaud, I'm just giving you the news. You make of it what you will. But it permanently excludes people convicted of certain violent offenses from receiving food stamps. And in the Senate, where you're going to need 60 votes... we We can be all for it. I read that initially and think, well, yeah, that's part of the game if you're going to 
commit a violent offense and then you're out but uh, the game of politics can be very very different and you know just to sum all that up what i want to say is i read this this good summation today and um i think his name is adam shingate shingate but uh, he said people think who cares about the farm bill it's so boring but it's a window into contemporary politics right now particularly among republicans the struggles they face are balancing governing against their ideological commitments and so there you saw the freedom caucus decide which one do we like least and they go in on the farm bill and so still a long road there on the farm bill and we'll try to get with congressman out of lubbock jody errington and um chairman of house agriculture mike conway to talk about the road forward but what i want to talk about right now and this is for the haters we've these things take a long time to process that bill that was voted on on the house floor today has been in process for quite some time in the house and in the house committee and it's been known in the house committee that there would be work requirements and that there would be cuts on snap and there are two men running for the texas senate right now one ted cruz and just go google jay leeson ted cruz and you'll find plenty that i've had to write and say about him over the last three years four years is it and he's totally been on this issue now but proceeding he was hostile towards agriculture but I did an interview, well, all this stuff has been marked up and people have known about it since February and March. And on March 8th, we had a situation where there was, there's a congressman out of Minnesota and his name's Colin Peterson. And he holds a lot of weight, a ranking member on the Agriculture Committee. He came out <coughs> on April 9th completely opposed to work requirements and i criticized him in the pieces there up at other side of texas.com that he knew about this but all of a sudden it's like he took uh he, he took a motion from house democrats and from nancy pelosi to all of a sudden oppose the bill well that was on march 8th that he came out against it on april 9th yours truly sits down with beto o'rourke and i want you to hear what Better O'Rourke had to say to me. Uh, we pick it up with why he voted against the last farm bill and what he intends to do with the next farm bill. I've gotten a lot smarter by listening to um, my fellow Texans who, and especially in West Texas, who understand this uh, a lot better than I did at the time. And so, um, so as you said, it, with the benefit of hindsight, um, I, I wish I had spent more time uh, listening to those whose livelihoods depend on this, who've made a really good case for me that beyond their ability to survive and their family's ability to, to take on this incredibly difficult work, they've made a really good case that this is in the broader national interest. When we can feed ourselves because we're growing our own fiber, when we can, I'm sorry, when we can clothe ourselves because we're growing our own fiber, when we can feed ourselves because we're growing our own food, and when we can export to markets around the world that drive this Texas economy. That's good for everyone, even if you live in a farming community, even if you do not. 
Um, so I, I think I have a much different perspective on this now. Um, I'm getting smarter. I'm not where I want to be yet, but that's why we're spending so much time in in West Texas and in farming communities to learn from those who do understand this. You've, you're close enough to the situation that you have and a broad idea of what the general farm bill is going to be written up as. Based on what you know today, are you prepared, would you be prepared to vote for the 2018 Farm Bill? I understand there are a lot of politics that are going to play out, but in principle, it's already written. Right. Uh, the answer is yes. Um, in principle, conceptually, yes, I want to be there to support that Farm Bill. Um, I want to be more involved. I'm not on the committee of jurisdiction. I'm okay, so, and then we go through some context. But what I wanted to just play here, because I try to play this stuff down the middle of the road because I appreciate the emails and the communications and the pats on the back and sometimes some nudges on the chin about how I cover things carefully here. And Beto O'Rourke, it's pretty plain, went back on what he had to, what he said. And that that played out today. Not one Democrat. He knew that those things were in play. He came on. He told us he was going to vote for the Farm Bill. And he didn't. Luckily, his opponent has higher ground in the Senate where these sorts of options that were available in the House are not going to be available in the Senate with regards to work requirements and snap cuts. Hey, uh, good show coming up for you. That's just the beginning. We have John Mark Ballou, Amarillo, longtime Amarillo Globe News columnist coming up with us. And uh, we're going to talk about some signs that fell in the, or one sign that made a lot of national news and now it's gone. Uh, stick with us and you'll get the whole story. Liberals keep driving and then the next day it was, uh, well, we're going to take that sign down. I'm on the line with us now is John Mark Blue, long time Amarillo Globe News columnist. John Mark, how are you? I'm not that long a time, but yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm doing good. Jay, how are you? But how long? Oh, 12 years. Uh, just as a columnist, 12 years. Uh, it has been a long time at the Globe News, no doubt about that. So, But how long at the Globe News itself? Uh, how about, uh, I just turned 37 years, so yeah, that is a long time. <laughs> okay. So you had to go 25 years before you just got to start calling your own shots and writing all uh, Well, we actually didn't have a position as columnist, so it was kind of created, and, uh, and they asked me if I would uh, take it, and I said, well, I guess I will, so... That's led to that. So. Well, uh, that's, uh, I know a lot of people up in the panhandle, and uh, they certainly appreciate their John Mark Blue. They may not uh, agree with you, but they yeah. have to think. I was going to say, I need to keep those people separate from the ones who don't think I'm so hot. So uh, <laughs> that's the key, I think. Well, speaking of hot, this, uh, this sign, I, I don't want to guide you through the story let's have a conversation i've read your piece you got a piece there it's running the amarillo globe news and the lubbock avalanche journal today um let's talk about how long has this sign been there well it had a pretty short shelf life jay i think you know maybe uh 24 to 36 hours but uh it, it was, was long only enough up that long do what now? It was only up that long? Yeah, it wasn't up very long at all. Uh, you know, and it's such a visible place along I-40 where thousands of uh, uh, vehicles go by each day. So it didn't take very long for that to cause a 
cause a stir. Of course, then it goes viral. And so, you know, it's just like kind of lighting a, a, a fuse, you know, and, and, and running. And that's kind of what happened. So it didn't take long for the thing to explode. Yeah. Let's uh, get down what the sign says. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. Uh, liberals, please continue on I-40 until, and this is underlined, these three words, you have left our capitalized great state of Texas. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so give us a backstory on whose sign is this, who paid for it, and uh, how did they fall? Well, okay, first of all, uh, and I had this incorrect, it actually faces uh, going east uh, near Vega, about 30 miles west of Amarillo, so people will see it as they're coming into Amarillo. Uh, the sign is, a, is the Burkett Sign Company. It's owned by Randy Burkett, uh, who was a former one-term city council member uh, here in Amarillo. Quite, uh, quite controversial. Uh, Wait, was this? He, uh, it? Hold on. This is a f- kind of local. So far as Lubbock and Amarillo are local, but is this within the last batch of city council people? Who yeah, came anyway, I'm sorry. This? It was a previous. We just had a city council election uh, in May of 17, so it was from, he was a council, council member from 15, I guess, to, uh, to 17. Okay. All right. So and, one uh, term. One term. Did not run for re-election. I think he would have got beat. That's why. I know he would have. <clears throat> because uh, he was very much of a lightning rod um, in terms of uh, a lot of things, a lot of infighting in the council. I think that uh, he was uh, spearheading. Uh, but anyway, uh, he owns a sign company, uh, a very successful outdoor billboard company, and uh, that was his sign. Now, he says, uh, he said yesterday that uh, it was a, a customer who had the sign. It wasn't him that put it on there. Uh, believe, believe what you want there. But the bottom line was, is that, you know, as owner of the billboard company, he signs off on any advertising or any message that's on there so regardless his fingerprints were all over uh, that sign have to be hmm. visiting with john mark Ballou, you can go on twitter it's john but just j-o-n john mark Ballou, b-e-i-l-u-e and follow you him you don't twitter enough i don't i know i'm um <laughs> i know that's bad but you know uh, I should more. Okay. I, I should. So okay. we'll see. I was just going to chastise you there for just a moment. So the question is: Did Burkett own this or not? Uh, did, eh, did he pay not for it? really. He said, you know, he 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 kind of backtracked and said, well, you know, uh, we don't need this. We're divided enough as a country. That's why I'm taking it down. And he took it down because the Amarillo uh, Visitors and Convention Council. Bought the bought the uh, space uh, mainly to take the ad to take the message down and put something up a little more uh, oh. uh, healing, I guess you might say. So, so in a way, maybe it was a good business practice for Burkett to do that. But uh, wow, okay, well there's some scoop. He yeah. did capitalism at work. Yeah, so maybe that was uh, maybe there was a method to his madness, uh, but uh, it it caused quite a stir obviously because it went viral and it's out near the small town of vega which didn't have anything to do with it but poor little vega they got they got raked over the coals uh, nationally uh and they and were just internationally an innocent, yeah innocent interstate bystander and 
and they got uh, they got ripped pretty well by a lot of people online that type of thing. So, but so you wrote about this, and I appreciate your approach, John. And I've followed you for a long time, but I appreciate your approach that you lay out the facts, and then you go in with the opinion. And I think that I've picked that up from you and from some others, and that's kind of my approach in writing a column, but. You lay out the facts, and then you said, um, I want people of opposite views around if you can get past the name-calling and shouting. It's healthy. I want to read and to talk with respected viewpoints from both sides. First, it's called maturity. Second, I might actually learn something. Uh, Maybe it sharpens and reinforces my own opinion or forces me to articulate it better or differently. Maybe it softens my opinion to look at issues less rigidly. Maybe I come to understand not all issues are black and white and an open mind is not such a bad thing. The sign itself said if you hold a particular persuasion, get out of here. Right. Yeah, you know, that's what you say when you're 12 years old, I think, you know. you know, if you don't think like me, get out of here. And that's, you know, as I said, that's, hey, it's that's just childish. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's it's just kind of a group think, mob mentality. I don't want to hear another opinion that's different from mine. I mean, that's just uh, it's immaturity. That's what it is. And it was a bad reflection on, on on the Panhandle, and look, the Panhandle's like what like the rest of West Texas. It's pretty solidly red, but I think within that red, I think are are enough people who who said, you know, this is ridiculous, this is embarrassing, and it needs to go. Uh, John Mark Blue, let me ask you a question. Let's talk topography for just a moment. Um, we're just maps in general. Where does the panhandle begin? Uh, In your mind? I think it begins north of Plainview, maybe between Plainview and Tulia. Okay. Uh, Maybe around Cress. You know, Cress is is halfway between Emerald and Lubbock, 60 miles, I think, either way. That might be the dividing line from going straight north and south. Now, when you go east and west, uh, I think if you went east, you know, you're talking about Childress. Southeast here, um, mm-hmm. uh, west, eh, Friona, somewhere like that. Um, uh, maybe drop down just a little bit further, but not a whole lot. Oh, so, say the so top not 26, a straight line. Yeah, I'd say the top twenty-six counties are the Panhandle. Uh, I might drop it down one more, get into about thirty or thirty-two. Hmm. Uh, but uh, but that that's in my mind where where the Panhandle begins. Because I've heard people. The esteemed chairman, House Chairman for Price, say uh, the Swisher North Line extended. That's the panhandle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I might drop it slightly lower, but right to you, yeah, for sure. Now, there, now you want to get into a real argument. There are people who will say that the panhandle is not West Texas, but it's just the panhandle. So uh, that's kind of an old school argument, you know. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, that's not yeah, a good that's political a argument. Day, I guess. Not a good political argument, right? Right. Exactly. I mean, cartolo- cartography here with John Mark Ballou. Uh A couple other questions while I got you on the line. Uh, the you've been doing this here uh, for all this time. Mm-hmm. What 
what has changed? Let's just stick with politics. What's changed about this region? If we just said West Texas in general, uh, Amarillo down through Lubbock and down off the Caprock, as you've watched, or has it been the same all these years? Politically? Yes. Uh, you know, it's still pretty much, of course, if you, how far you want to go back to when a long time ago, when, you know, in the 60s, you know, it was Democratic, and then it's become Republican. And while I think, uh, well, I think there it's still a, 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 a red Republican area, uh, you know, there's you've seen some pushback in the panhandle against uh, some of the policies of Dan Patrick, uh, far right wing policies. Uh, you've seen governor, fight yeah. back against uh, Empower Texas and their right wing policies and the failed as 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 their candidates were defeated uh, up here. Uh, three candidates that they targeted in March all were defeated. Uh, it's very strongly, you know, uh, anti-school voucher up here, which is one of Patrick's babies. Uh, so I think, you know, I, I think there is a segment that is more, a lot more moderate uh, conservative, if you will, or certainly not the right wing that you see in, you know, pockets of the rest of the state. Hmm. Well, back to the sign. That makes a lot of sense that, um, obviously, uh, hearing, hearing and reading your story, obviously somebody didn't have a contract on that sign because the sign was immediately taken down. Well, now he said, well, I'm just going to reimburse the, oh, the guy, no. you, know, you know, so, you know, again, again, um, you know, I'll, let's take him at his word that maybe somebody did rent that sign, but either way... You know, it's like anything that if something goes into the newspaper, the editor signs off on it, whether he wrote it or not. Mm-hmm. Ownership of, 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 of a billboard company signs off on it. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, what you got coming down the pike, John Mark? Oh, you know, just a little slice of life stuff here and there. You know, uh, you know, occasionally things like this pop up, and uh, you know, it, it leads to a you know, a pretty straightforward opinion piece. A lot of stuff I do also is features and human interest and mm-hmm. things like that. So, yep. uh, you know, working on a story on a little girl who was deaf and through some, uh, finally through some uh, implants and some work, uh, was able to hear for the first time. We got video of her hearing for the first time. That's mm. that's coming out Sunday. Um, so, you know, that's, that's totally opposite of, of what the... Uh, this, you yeah. know, the liberal uh, billboard sign is. So it's a little variety, little variety. Well, I will say there are people, and we check these diagnostics, people listen to this program throughout the state and download the podcast. And I just want to point out to some folks that this is the John Mark Ballou that wrote the definitive piece on Empowered Texans, uh, was the first mid-market columnist, to my mind, that wrote a definitive piece for people had the courage to do it within quote-unquote election season to say this is who these people are this is what they're about these are the facts and you've got to look at who they're supporting and i think uh i think you played a watchdog role 
in that last round of elections in Texas politics, and it wasn't missed on political observers around the state, the role that you played there, John Mark. And, you know, I've said it on Twitter, I've said it in other places, even on this program, I think you're to be congratulated for that. And I think that people, you have blazed a trail in that regard for places, because just for content... The pan. This was the first time the Panhandle had really seen outside of Kel Seliger, uh, state senator, who always has in power Texans coming after him because his district drops down into Midland in Odessa and the Permian. But this was the first time the Panhandle had seen an all-out effort by in power, and it's one of the first regions, to my mind, Republican regions, that fought him back. Uh, yeah. All the way across, they 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 batted zero percent in the Panhandle. Right. Right. Well, and a lot of people give you credit for that, John Mark. Well, you know, Jay, I, you're one of my talk to, and uh, I think the more people you, I talked with, the more you, I read about them, and the more I talked to others who didn't know about them, I thought, you know, uh, it's just shine a little bit of light on on them, and, and people people can make their own determination about any motives or, or what their agenda might be, and and that can be a more informed uh, voter. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think sometimes groups like this don't operate too well uh, when the light shines on them. And I think that's all I was trying to do there. Well, the reason why so many people look at John Mark Ballou up there at the Amarillo Globe News, now in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. We appreciate you making time, John Mark Ballou. Jay, anytime. Thanks for, thanks for asking. Been a blast. Uh, have a good day, buddy. All right. You too, my friend. Going to get off with John Mark Blue and signs coming down in the panhandle and move forward to uh, free swimming there in Stanford, Texas. We got the mayor of Stanford, Texas, my friend, friend of the program, James Decker, going to come on with us and talk about why all of a sudden at public pools in Stanford, it's free. His first big move. Stick with us. Your big move here. On the other side of Texas, going to have the mayor of Stanford, Texas, going to go all the way up from Vega and then sweep down the Cap Rock, Panhandle Cap Rock, and then in the Rolling Plains, get uh, James Decker, mayor of Stanford, Texas, right here on the program. And there he is, Mayor Decker. How are you, my friend? I'm good, sir. How about you? I'm doing good. Uh, Got a diet dr pepper i can't i can't drink those dr peppers like you can you're missing out on a good time well i mean i'm wearing a belt where like the first the first hole has the indentation on it and i'm down to the fourth hole but if i start drinking dr peppers like you drink them decker then i'm gonna have to go back to the first hole and that includes well, it's important snoring. For a man to know his limitations yeah snoring and then like the annual exam and the doctor getting on to me and then you know the health insurance agency just so happened saying hey uh let's do some more blood work i I can't do it like you can it's a spiraling thing yeah it's a rough thing but drink them for me uh stanford texas about three thousand people there in the rolling plains and uh you're all over the news right now Uh, you've been in office how long I was elected on um, on May fifth, and and formally assumed the duties on uh, May. Well, actually, uh, May twenty first. So I guess we're one month anniversary. I'll be darned. Well, hey, I had some people come across that 
there was some method to our madness here to tell you happy anniversary but the bigger news is uh, first child you and lauren first child miriam am i right miriam miriam elizabeth decker you you are correct Uh, was born when she was born on um on may the uh the 14th so one week before before the getting taken but taking office it was was a busy may hey the, the important thing came first right that's right I'm so astounded. Let me just, you and I are going to talk about the swimming pool thing, but let's let's get off into a unbeaten path for just a moment. Isn't it crazy, James Decker, that professionally you're successful, um, professionally people have varied opinions about me, but here's what I've just come to learn, and kids have really taught me this, and we're both United Methodists, so I can say this. Kids are sanctifying agents, but for me... You know, I, I remember, and I saw this in all places of a bar, and that's a paradox with me, but it, there was a sign, and it said, I was in D.C., actually, and there was a sign that said, once you lose your character, the rest is a piece of cake. And I think that that's so true, that regardless of of what stations we hold in life, whether it's mayor or it's behind microphones or writing columns or standing there in courtrooms, if if you don't have your character, you don't have anything else. That's right, and once and it's extremely, um, it can be easy to lose, but it's really hard to get back once you lose. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know why I thought of that with you, but this is my radio program, so I just brought it up. Um, hey, I, your show, you can talk about anything you yeah, want. I've been, I've been thinking about that a lot. But speaking of character, so Stanford has how many pools? One? Uh, there's a there's a city pool and a country club pool and then a few scattered you know private pools. Okay. But we have one pool that's accessible to the public. And it's pretty nice. It looks like in pictures anyway. Yes, and I actually learned the other day that it actually was an old uh, WPA pool that I did not know this that was oh, built um, during the during the depression and then uh, that was about twice the size of that and then later it was. Uh, I guess maybe um, modified to, to be a more modern pool, I think, in the, maybe the 70s or the 80s. So Balmeray is closed, built by WPA, and then the Stanford City Pool. And I just, I, I look at these work requirements that just passed in the House bill, and I'm like, hey, what about some WPA action, right? I mean, like, let's get these overpasses painted. Let's let's do some beautification projects. If we really want to make people work, let's let's do that. I don't want them to well, go you know, work for like. I mean, we can pay them minimum wage and 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 do some WPA action, man. You know, Trump talks about wanting to have an infrastructure week. Well, that's how you you, you got some real infrastructure work being done with a with a big with a program like that. Yeah, and then you drive down like. I'm sure that WPA, so, you know, we're coming up on 79, 80 years, but a generation or two ago, I'm sure there were people who rolled through Stanford and said, my granddad built that pool. I mean, come on. That's a real point of pride. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, some good state parks in this part of the world, too. You know, not Balmeray, but Big Spring, um, their park. That's, there's a lot, lot of good history there. Yeah. Okay, so I'm done with the buddy talk. Let's get into the pool. Uh, so admission to the pool is how much, or was how so, much? Before Monday night, it was um, one dollar for five and under, and two dollars for uh, anybody over five. Okay, 
And so Stanford probably has the same socioeconomic demographics of most places. And it's not just easy to, you know, a family of three children to just go to the pool every day. Uh, somebody steps up and just makes a donation? Yeah, so, um, so, so the genesis of this, I was, I was having a conversation on Saturday. I was uh, at, the, at the local Juneteenth celebration, which is a, which is a, a big deal. I mean, we had folks from California and Dallas and San Antonio and just, you know, that were all from here, had family here, all came back for, for the get-together. And I was, I was um, visiting with, with a lady, and, and I had thought about this before. It had been something on my mind that had maybe been on, on the back burner. Um, and, and she pointed that out. She said, "You know, you've got you know three or you know three or four kids uh, to try to go very often. That can add up in a hurry. Because not only you got to pay for the kids, you got to pay for the you know parent or guardian or whoever's going with them as well." Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking about that over the weekend. And uh, Monday, I just uh, had a city council meeting at five fifteen, and all about lunchtime or so, I just got to thinking about it and visited with a uh, with a person who I thought might be willing to help who had expressed some interest in this idea in the past and i said hey i think we need to make the make the pool free and um this guy said well so what, what kind of what kind of donation are we talking about and i pulled some numbers on uh what we had budgeted in the city for revenue and you know what the attendance would be and talked to him and uh and, and uh this donor said uh, just make it happen and at first it was going to be for kids and we got talking about it and thinking about it and finally the donor just said just make it free for everybody. Just yeah, make the make the accounting easy. Just just let everybody in free. So, so okay, Mayor. made that announcement at City Council Monday night. All right. So surely this is going to be public record at some point, and not necessarily the name, but the amount. How much are we talking about here? So the the city um, city budget, which is obviously a public a public document, and um, in, in every city in Texas. Uh, we budgeted about three thousand dollars worth of revenue for for our pool, and that doesn't, you know, we have a we have a pool manager, um, and you know they, you know, for parties and you know, you know, in the evenings and concession stand and stuff, you know, we let them contract that that out as part of their um, part of their you know perks for for taking care of the thing. But basically, just paid attendance, we um, we budget about three thousand dollars in revenue per year. So we'd already we'd already made about. Between seven and eight hundred dollars on the pool so far this year. No. So, but I'm thinking that the attendance is going to increase. So it's probably about a about a three thousand uh, thirty five hundred dollar donation is my guess. All right, go Stanford, go. Um, so, what's not to be missed there is that you showed up at Juneteenth, and uh, if people can't tell, uh, you're a Caucasian, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, you just rolled into Juneteenth, and uh, I saw some pictures on Facebook, but I think a lot of this has to do with you hearing from the community and all of the community there. That's absolutely right. And, you know, uh, my, my campaign slogan was, was building a better Stanford, and I was I would kind of throw in the tagline for, uh, at the end, um, building a better Stanford for all of Stanford. Uh, you know, um, it's a... Uh, that, that's very important to me. I had support um, through every uh, running for mayor, through every group, um, you know, ethnic background, income level, uh, church affiliation, non-affiliation, whatever, through town. And, and that mattered to me. And, 
you know, Cinco de Mayo had to be happened to be on on election day actually. So so, so went out to went out to that. Uh, had a great time there, and you know, you know, uh, Juneteenth is another one of our big big cultural events in the community that brings folks in town. And I just wanted to go uh, express my uh, support to some friends from out of town who had been who had been big supporters of me who happened to be in town and uh, see some see some folks that were good friends and important to me and my family and and also just just meet some new friends too. Yeah, but this uh, change there at the pool, the, the change being no change required at the pool, began at a Juneteenth festival, and I think that's important to delineate there. So. Um, what am I missing here, Mayor? Well, you know, the thing about the pool is, and people have asked me about this, well, is it going to, city going to make money? You know, something people need to understand is that cities do not make money on swimming pools. It's not a profit center. It's not like selling water. Yeah, um, they it's can like be, a, lead to deficits lots of times. Exactly, they do. You know, every year I've been on the council, our, our revenues have never, um, have never exceeded our, our cost on the pool. But it's a necessary service within your community that you that you just say, look, if we want to have good quality of life in the community, we need to have a swimming pool, and and so that's just one of the things you accept. So it's not a pro, it's not a profit minded thing. So when you when you view it as a necessary service, you get to worry in a little lot less about the nickels and dimes on the revenue side. No. And I think back to something my something my granddad had said years ago. Um, you know, when he grew up, uh, he was the son of an itinerant baker and. You know, he went to about 12 different schools, and, and they didn't have a lot of money at all. And he, he, he reflected on being a, um, being a poor kid, you know, not whatever town they were in. The pool was a place where anybody could go to and save up your money and just have good, good clean, safe fun in the, in the community. And oftentimes it might be the only fun that you, that you can afford um, for somebody like him when he, was, when he was a kid. And so, you know, being mindful of that, you know, the – public access city pool has always been been important to me and in, in my public service and and that was on my mind is you know you know if we don't have a don't have a pool um you know that that's a loss of, of recreation for for kids in the community but also uh, make it accessible so that uh anybody can anybody can reach it as as often as they want and you you've always got a place for those kids to have fun whether uh, that's that's going to be good good clean wholesome fun yeah uh, I think my childhood is marked by free things. And, of course, you're big time in Abernathy, Texas, there in Stanford, because we didn't have a city swimming pool. You'd go to the country club, but you could get into the gym and uh, play ball all summer, which is probably why we always beat Stanford. But maybe that's that, right. Maybe that's well, just we were that. hanging out at the pool, apparently. <laughs> hey, the story's there at bigcountryhomepage.com. The uh, title of it, City of Stanford Swimming Pool to Offer Free Admission for the Remainder of the Summer. I expect more good policy stuff as we go along here, Mayor Decker, and for you to check in here on the other side. Absolutely. You know, like I, like I talked with, about with you before, you know, it's important to give folks a reason to want to stay here, um, move here, move back here. And it's little stuff like this, quality of life. Uh, you can't take it for granted. It matters. It doesn't have to be big, dramatic projects, but every little bit helps, and every little bit like this goes a, goes a long way towards building a bigger, bigger, broader, um, uh, higher quality of life for our citizens. Good word there. He is mayor of Stanford, Texas, James Decker. Thanks for taking time, buddy. 
Hey, glad to do it anytime, my friend. We'll check in with you soon. Uh, go follow him at James Decker. 2006, because he's an Aggie, and that's when he graduated 2006 on Twitter. Get into some uh, revenue ourselves here at J West Texas Leasing on your drive home or maybe on your podcast transit to work, wherever you are. Appreciate you so much. Wouldn't be here without you. And thank you for going and checking out all those great advertisers here on a one-of-a-kind program hope that you'll go in and tell them hey listen to the show and appreciate you sponsoring something that i enjoy text tech game coming up tonight it's hard to believe that uh, the red raiders could mark their third win in the college baseball world series and their third win being against florida which their first and second wins were against Florida. And I don't want to throw down any voodoo or tell you what's going to happen there. I know you baseball guys are awfully superstitious, but it would be something, something else. Speaking of something, the NBA draft tonight, can Zaire Smith be a, a lottery pick? And all eyes are on that, at least here on the Cap Rock. If Zaire Smith can bust into those top 10 not sure why he couldn't uh i bought season tickets for next year believing that zaire was going to be here but i think we're going to be just as good uh next year as well so that's some sports commentary there and uh want to segue as we close out today I got to thinking about, and I wrote a column about this, I believe it's going to run in the Globe, the Amarillo Globe and the Lubbock Avalanche Journal this weekend. But I remember as a boy, and I want to talk about the importance of um, when government really works for just a moment, as much as we want to believe that government doesn't. And I got a text, and I'm not going to drop his name, but it'd be a name that you all know. Uh, chimed in in the last segment about WPA. You really must be a liberal. But listen, if we're going to make work requirements, I don't want people to go work for food stamps at like some private big business. Like it, like what good does that do if they go and work at Walmart, right? I mean, so if they're going to get the food stamps, then let's make an investment where we live like i was driving down 19th in lubbock uh highway 114 and there are a bunch of weeds out in these nice new beds that they made well you know rather than having text dot route that through let's do it that way and some of you guys are like oh you cold heartless whatever i don't care let's if people are going to be working then it just makes perfect sense like I'm not going to make my kid do chores at my buddy's house. That doesn't do me any favor. Like, my kids are going to go outside, and they're going to pick weeds at my house. And they're going to dig up whatever needs to be dug at my house as part of their chores. For their food stamps, for their food. But I got to thinking about, let's spend a couple of minutes here on this. The Health Sciences Center, and we had Ted Mitchell on the program, and it's there on our podcast. If you haven't heard it, it's there at OtherSideOfTexas.com. 
And my first introduction to the Health Sciences Center was when my grandmother had a heart attack. And this would have been in the late 80s, I want to say, uh, mid-80s. And we drove to Lubbock from Hale Center. And I was scared to death because I knew that people were going to cut my grandmother's sternum open. And as a kid, like, the adults were cool about it. Like, this is routine. She's just going in to have an oil change. And I'm thinking, no, they're opening her chest, and somehow they're going to fix her heart. Like, how does that happen? Anyway, they were cool about it. I was a wreck, and we drove in, and I held my great-grandmother's hand all the way into Lubbock, and we walked up that medical district enormous buildings shadows and as we walked through the shadows in the cool of that morning um it just made me quiver even more and we worked our way up to the waiting room and i asked my great grandmother how she how it was that she believed that her daughter was going to be okay like how do you know that she's going to be okay and she took me to a window that faced the west and she pointed at the brown buildings way off in the distance and she said do you see those buildings they trained the people that's where the people who are working on your grandmother Betty learned and she's gonna be okay and sure enough she was okay and you know when I get into this weekend with all that is how the Health Sciences Center then and now you've got Governor Greg Abbott touting a program, the um, Telemedicine Wellness Initiative Triage and Referral Program, Twitter, is how Ted Mitchell and his group uh, refer to it. But they have put together a Texas class, in the sense that Texas is a world, a Texas class program whereby they go into surrounding schools they've evaluated ted mitchell said 40 42,000 kids and one percent of those kids has been referred into uh, psychiatry and further counseling and now uh, they've helped half of those kids their gpas have gone up their truancy has gone up and they have had the opportunity to get professional help in ways that they would not have 25 of those kids were proven uh, were I shouldn't say proven were diagnosed to be liabilities to themselves and others and they were taken out of their schools and it's just to me after all these years I've thought about looking out that window to the west at that building and now and I don't want to be a homer but how fortunate we are but it builds a political point and it's a 50-year political point, and it has to do with pipelines. In the 1960s, the University of Texas fought a medical school at Tech and said, we can pipeline doctors up to the Caprock. And when legislators found that that's a pipe dream, not a pipeline, they went with Tech and said, let's give Tech its medical school. Now, Governor Connolly at the time vetoed that, suggesting some burnt orange favor but two years later guess who was the governor governor preston smith from lubbock and made it happen he told the horns 
you can have your medical school in Houston, but we're going to get a medical school in Lubbock. And so it happened. And so all I have to say, in the months ahead, we're going to get into this vet school battle. And what A&M is going to build their position on, I've heard, I've seen, I've deduced, and I've heard again, is on a pipeline argument that we're going to pipeline vets back up to the Caprock and the Panhandle and across I-35. And again, pipe dream. And if there's no greater proof that pipelines don't work, it is the Texas Tech Health Sciences Center, which is leading the way in Texas. Those big buildings I was shown all those years ago are producing not just some of the finest doctors, but it is the entity that is producing the most medical professionals and in Amarillo, in Midland, in Odessa, in Lubbock, and I dare say even down into San Angelo, there is no vocation that has more wage earners. You want to talk about this in in economic terms. There is no vocation that has as many wage earners in higher, middle, upper middle class than medical professionals. And a lot of that has to do with that battle that was fought long ago. And there's another battle on the horizon. But in the end, suffice it to say for now, if you give West Texans adequate and fair resources, we can help lead the state, even the nation, by producing the type of quality people that we can. People who know like those people who worked on Grandmother Betty, people who know what they're doing. Hey, tomorrow I want to introduce you to Uncle Cy on this program. Yes, that's right. We have our own Cy, our own Uncle Cy. He'll be in studio with us tomorrow. You're going to get a big kick out of him. Uh, All this can be found up on our Apple Podcast. Check out our stuff. OtherSideOfTexas.com wouldn't be here without you. I want to thank you so much for tuning in and for telling our friends an applause for you as we get out today uh so yeah friday uncle Cy and uh, try to cut eh, i'm not gonna publicize it yet because it's not final but um i might have somebody of note jumping in with us tomorrow on the program so until then for mayor james decker for columnist john mark Ballou, Jay West Texas Leeson signing off. We'll see you next time on I was just the other side of Texas. And out of control. Lost to James Dean and Rock and Roll. I knew down